Hey, 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 friends. Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators podcast times two, second uh, second attempt of the day. I don't know how many of you uh, were here for that first little hiccup, but as Miguel and I were backstage, I just hit go live. I, I, I hit the wrong button. I don't know. Charlie's not here to guide us. And she had her, her wisdom teeth out, so she's not in talking form. And I let her down. So... And then Miguel came to the rescue, created a new link, <laughs> shut off the <laughs> I even said, I was like, maybe we just skip it. Maybe we just skip the intro. And Miguel goes, no. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. It's, uh, it's great to be here. I'm glad that we got it figured out. Uh, let's not bring any more attention to our mistake and move on like it didn't happen. <laughs> I don't know. I want to talk about it some more. <laughs> Anyways, um, well, how's it going, Miguel? It's it's good. It's it's been a good week. We're halfway through 2021 already somehow, so that's kind of nuts. We do six month reviews here at ConvertKit, so that's how I know that it's already halfway through the year. Yes. Otherwise, it's all a blur. But um, speaking of of reviews, we're actually going to talk a little bit about self reviewing and just kind of like holding yourself accountable to your your own goals and kind of keeping track of, of that today. Is, is that right, Haley? That is right. Yeah. I was uh, thinking about this week about what we wanted to talk about. And we lived in self-review time last week. So we had a week to kind of review the last six months uh, of our time at ConvertKit. And it's one of those things where it always, like I sit back and I reflect on all the work that I've done in six months. And it's like, one of the the most interesting or most beneficial times for me, I think, in pro- from a professional growth perspective, because it like requires real intentional thought about how I've grown or where I need to grow. And it got me thinking a lot about how this is this corporate practice, right, that that ConvertKit does and a lot of other companies do and a lot of companies do it poorly and they don't go about. Um, I can't remember the exact statistic, but I want to say that it's something like the vast majority of people that end up quitting end up quitting like within six weeks after a review. Right. Because they're just not implemented kind of the appropriate way. But I really appreciate um, our review time at ConvertKit. I think we do it right. Uh, But it got me thinking a lot about how if you're a solopreneur or if you're a creator, it's really probably uh, or likely not something that's uh, a typical practice. So I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the process, what it looked like for us Um, at ConvertKit. We have a we truly believe in in working in public. And so I, I really wanted to hear Miguel talk about it you know, let him get vulnerable. I'll just like respond to him. No, I'm teasing, but, um, yeah, I thought it, I thought it'd be a great conversation to talk about how we can apply some of the things that we do at ConvertKit to the kind of creator economy, especially as a solopreneur. Yeah. I think the idea of purposeful and almost forced introspection is something really valuable that I never think to do, but when my job makes me do it, I remember, you know, this is actually really good because, what I, what I think what I tell myself is when I look back at, at what I've done, I don't give it as much thought as I should because I figure, well, I mean, I'm in the driver's seat of my own life. I know what I've done. I know I've been here the whole time. I obviously know where I've been and where I'm going. But if you don't ever actually stop and like kind of take an inventory of what you've done over the last, I don't know, month, three months, six months, whatever period of time that you want to look at, it's kind of hard to sort of see trends and 
and and see what you're doing well and what you're not doing and how to hold yourself accountable to what you started out saying you were going to do and where you actually are and have I moved the needle in any way? Did my priorities change? Because that's okay too. You know, here at ConvertKit, we don't just do things in six-month chunks. We actually have what's called cycles, which we did because we used to do quarters and we thought quarters is way too long of a time to really... How am I supposed to figure out in January what I'm doing in March, you know? So much can happen in a week, two weeks, two months, three months, that the idea that I have my my entire life planned out for the next three months, professionally, let alone any other way, is insane. Because what ends up happening is in late March, I end up writing a review saying, oh, this didn't go at all the way I planned, and none of my goals make sense anymore, because I either knocked them all out too early, I never made any headway on any of them, priorities changed, you know, I had a few conversations with people along the way and I decided that the work that I'm doing that I set out to do is actually not as valuable as something else. So I, you know, I steered the ship in another way. It's just kind of cool to sort of break things down. And, I th- and we do it in six week cycles now, which I think is a lot more tenable. What do you think, Haley? I agree. I really struggled with um, uh, the way. So we set OKRs. It's like objectives and key results, right? At ConvertKit. And um, when you're laying out, to Miguel's point, you're laying out these objectives and trying to measure what the key results are for each objective. When you start looking at the way software companies run or or individual creators, right? You want to be able to be super agile. And for us, it felt like it was really challenging to be agile when you were locked into these three-month commitments, right? That were measured, like your our goal were measured against these things. And when you wanted to change, it felt like you couldn't change, even if it was for the company's benefit or based off something. So we really had to like refine that over time. And then eventually we ended up moving into these cycles where we have six week cycles and then a two week cool down. And then it gives us an opportunity to reflect on those six week cycles. And it's, I think it's been a huge, a huge blessing for like our workflow. And I, I've, I've really appreciated it. Uh, so I'm just going to, I posted these so we can kind of talk through some of these. Uh, and these are the questions. So we use a software called 15.5, uh, which I don't actually, I assume you can use it as an individual solopreneur. It's just a great way to like measure success, but it does have all these additional tools for like managers and, and whatnot. But these were um, after a lot of company conversation, internal conversations. Um, these are this is the first time that we've experienced these questions. They changed uh, the questions um, based off of a lot of internal feedback, and I'm just going to kind of like briefly go through these, and then we can talk about the ones that were most important or the most that, that we enjoyed um, kind of digging into. But so you're thinking this is for the last six months. The first question was, what projects did you plan to complete in cycle one through three? Were you able to complete those projects or did you change course and what were the outcomes? I like that one because obviously it forced us to reflect on all the things that we've we've done. And then this one is like kind of allows us to elaborate more into that reflecting on your projects and work from the last six months. What helped drive results or move ConvertKit closer towards achieving our goals and what didn't? What do you think about this question, Miguel? Well, Like I said before, I think reflection is a really important tool. And I I feel that companies kind of make us do this, but I think that we should make ourselves do this. So especially when, when if you're, like you said, like somebody that's on their, working on their own project and you're solo, the only person that you're accountable is to is yourself. So it's really important to kind of set rules and set guidelines for yourself at the beginning, because then you're holding yourself accountable 
to what you wanted to do, no one else is going to do it, right? So you're kind of having to be your own boss up front because if you don't, then you're kind of just making it up as you go. And there's nothing to hold yourself accountable to. You can just, you're technically not succeeding or failing because there's no guideline. So to answer this question, which, uh, you know, what helped drive results to move us towards achieving our goals and what didn't, what this does is it, it forces us to look at the goals first and kind of work backwards and think, how can I move the ball on this goal? Let's take an example. You know, let's say my goal is I want to reach 100, uh, 100 followers or 100 subscribers. I want to get a, 100 email addresses that want to hear from me. What are things that I can do to reach this goal? And you break that up into bite-sized pieces so that you're slowly getting to this. You may not hit the 100. The 100 is just a goalpost that's always moving. But the idea is to work towards it. And as long as the number is going up and not down, then you're making progress. The reason I like this question is exactly, exactly the way that you described it. So it's like reflecting the way I look at it from internally. It's like projects are really your goal as a solopreneur. So like reflecting on your projects and work from the last six months. And then the question is, is what helped, what activities, or you could really interpret this a lot of different ways, but what um, activities helped drive results that moved you closer to achieving those goals. So for example, in Miguel's example, if it's getting a hundred subscribers, it's like what specific activities helped you get there? Was it sending, committing to sending one newsletter one, you know, every week for the course of six weeks, like what actual activities helped you get to that point, just like consistency and whatnot. But I liked this because it really forced me to look back on all the projects that I said that I was going to do and then actually evaluate the actions that took place on my end or the proactive things that I did that helped me reach or not reach that goal and then break those down, which I think um, I think is really valuable and not 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 done enough. Yeah. I would agree with that. Other things. Um, this is one that I really like. I, I love this question for so many different reasons. The question is, is looking back, what one to three factors led you to completing your cycle projects and what are one to three things you learned or would do differently in the future? Specifically for me, I, I could take or leave the first part of the question, right? Because that kind of, there's a little similarities between this, this part of the question and the, and the previous question that we had just talked about. But what are one to three things that you learned or you would do differently? And for us, because we implemented those cycles, there were so many things that I wanted to do that I would have done differently. And those are the things that I learned more from my mistakes than I do from my successes, certainly. So just like having the chance to call out the things that I really struggled at um, really helps me personally get better. So I think creating an opportunity for you to ask that question what are things that you you would do differently in towards reaching your goals and making space for that um, definitely helps. You know, though it makes me think of something that I have to constantly remind myself is if you approach things thinking that you are a learner and you don't approach things thinking that you are supposed to be some kind of expert and you have to portray this sort of like, I know what I'm doing and that's how I'm able to be in this position of, oh, I have a newsletter. That means I must know everything about how to do this well. And if you think about it as I'm approaching this as a learner, then nothing you do is wrong technically because everything that you do is teaching you something and you are learning what not to do. You are learning what works. You are learning how to iterate and change what you're doing based on 
all kinds of things because the landscape is always changing. The size of your audience might change the way that you do things. The way that your audience interacts with what you're doing may change the way that you're doing things. You might start doing a YouTube channel and then it turns out that you're getting more engagement somewhere else and like an Instagram or something like that. So you might change your format to be, okay, well, people really like interacting with me with like short little clips that I've been doing on Instagram instead of these 20 minute long videos I'm doing on YouTube. So maybe I need to change my focus to those things. So I learned that the YouTube thing is not working for me and I'm learning that Instagram might be the way to go. And then that teaches you that short videos are more engaging with people. So you might also incorporate TikTok in there because that's also a short video format. And then you might jump from there. And then so you're taking what works and you're iterating on what works and throwing away what doesn't. But nothing that you do is wasted effort because you're constantly looking back and learning what you would do differently in the future, like this question is asking. Yeah, I think there's one real real important thing for me that I want to call out here that I think is incredibly important is that the tool that we use, like I said, called 15.5, uh, it requires us to like actually write this stuff down and having like just going through the practice of, of thinking about these questions is very different than being forced to actually write things down. So as individual creators, something I would really encourage people to do is to have a format. I don't care if it's a Google Doc or whatever it is, right? But you can come up with whatever the questions are that you want to reflect back on. And everybody's like these core questions, right? That you might ask yourself, let's say every quarter, every three months for a year long, like they might change over time, but just being able to go back and reflect on them uh, in written format, I think is really important and definitely will help you measure your success differently as if than if you were just reflecting on them, you know, kind of the way that we are right now. Yeah. Um, let's see. Hmm. What other question? I, um, I think this question, this is another one that was really good that we asked. Some of the other ones are a little too corporate. So I feel like it's unnecessary to chat about, but this one I really love (laughs) what I'm curious, Miguel, what you, how you answered this question for your review. What accomplishments am I most proud of? I really like this question because I mean, so you would assume that this question is asking you about what are you most proud of? in your job. But I mean, honestly, I mean, I opened this up and kind of put it up, like opened it up to my whole life. So one of the things that I was really proud of is my ability to balance work and life at work and life in a way that made sense to the way that life was during a pandemic or like slowly coming out of a pandemic. And There were some days where I decided to, you know, I would wake up early and do some things in the morning and then take the 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 morning the late morning and mid-afternoon and go to a park with my dog and and my partner. And, you know, we would do stuff like that. And I was really proud of actually managing my time in a way that made more sense. Of course, I talked about specific projects that I worked on and ConvertKit, and those are all boring and I'm not gonna talk about them here. But I mean, uh I think it's important when you're looking at questions like this is try to remember to zoom the lens out a little bit and don't get too specific when thinking about um, about stuff like this, about about accomplishments in your life. Well, shit. Now I feel like I missed this whole opportunity to talk about like my life. My life. <laughs> <In> my, <laughs> yeah, you did it wrong. You're going to have in, a terrible review. In my review. Damn it. 
For me, there was this one moment. Um, uh, we had the creator session that's coming out next week is with uh, a band called My Brothers and I. Uh, they're great. Go check them out. And I have calls with um, our creators before, obviously, all of our creator sessions. And we're talking about the type of content that we want and just who we are as a company, you know, if they're unfamiliar with us. And there was this moment where one of the band members got really emotional. And basically, he said, in, in short, he said that he really just was super excited to be a part of the series and the show that we were doing. And he goes on to elaborate into these reasons, but it was really cool. It was the first time that I'd experienced, especially with creating like creator sessions as new content. It was the first time that I had experienced somebody like so badly wanting to be a part of this, you know, and not because of the financial gain that it offered them, but because of like the type of content and the company that they knew us to be after we just had the chance to like connect as people. And that was like a really important moment for me because that means that the content is resonating with creators. And so I think that was the moment that I was, I was most proud of. And I think for me, you can, you can definitely apply that. Sometimes I feel like, you know, with creator sessions, I feel like I, I, you know, I'm definitely a creator in that way. Like I'm creating this, this content. And so that's, that's really applicable. I think to other people that are on this call, you know, but it's, it's, I felt like the first, for the first time that my content was affecting people in the way that I wanted it to, and not just people that watched it, but the people that were taking part in it. And that was a really cool moment for me specifically. That's cool. Yeah. It's important to celebrate things that go well. I mean, obviously what you do wrong is great too, because you learn a lot from it, but it's important to remember along the way to celebrate your successes and enjoy them. Cause sometimes we can forget to do that. Yeah. There was another question that we had um, that I think is uh, is important to to reflect on, and it was just kind of this blatant question, you know. And it's, are you at risk for low performance? <laughs> and I like this question. Sometimes I struggle with it, but I like this question uh, because I think you have to be able to. I was listening to the James Clear. I've referenced this on this podcast so many times, but his session that he, or his keynote that he talked about at the at craft and commerce, um, was that our first craft and commerce, I think. Yeah. And it was about basically measuring success, getting 1% better. But one of the things that he talks about in that session is, um, noticing, right. Is that in order for you to be better at anything, you have to notice the things that you need to be better at. So you really just have to be aware. And I think that this is one of these questions where it forces you to recognize the things, you know, to draw awareness or bring awareness to maybe some of the things that you're struggling with as a creator. And if you choose to put blinders on and only look at the positives, uh, I don't think you're going to grow as much as you could if you um, were aware of the things that you need to get better at. Yeah. This is a really weird question because when you're, when the thing that, that signs your paychecks says, Hey, are you a risk of not being good at your job? You know, I'm just like, what kind of, like first my, my first knee jerk reaction is like, what kind of psycho says, yeah, I'm pretty borderline, like not even like worth my, my, my time at this company, you know, like how am I supposed to graciously tell somebody during a review that, you know what, actually I think I suck and that's not what you want to do obviously, but what's cool about the culture that we have at this company is that I know that this question is coming from a place of concern and care and not of like, oh, we're, this is a gotcha question. Like, here we go. <laughs> like, tell on yourself. So I feel totally comfortable being very honest with this question because the idea is 
you can't fix a problem if you don't acknowledge it. So let's acknowledge it if there is one, and then let's work on what we can do to make sure that you are performing at the level that you want to be and not just like quietly drowning alone. And so honesty is a really big part of, you know, measuring your growth as a creator or as a professional or anything else, because you're not going to grow from something you're, that you're not even acknowledging as a problem. Yeah, that that's a good transition into kind of like the second half of this conversation. I read this great Medium article. We'll link it in the show notes. The article was four types of growth as a creator, right? And there's, and I think that I really liked this article because outside of it being super succinct, um, what it did was it it basically listed out the four areas of growth that she felt were the most important um, for creators to measure. And your four, there's, you know, you can figure out whatever four, you know, verticals you want to talk about, but. For her, she, she listed out vertical, um, which is basically this is about your true fans and core audience, right? You want to create content, experience, and merchandise for the people that are your core fans. And so you're measuring basically growth, right? Uh, then she talked about horizontal growth. This is about like wider top of the funnel audience. Um, you want to create content or execute stunts that make uh, more people aware of you. This can also include new developments in uh, the medium or format you're distributing through as well. This may be as measured at like top of line numbers like views, PR, subscribers, so on. And she talked about financial, which I think is incredibly important uh, as from like if you're measuring specific growth, you know, as a creator, one of the things that you need to measure in order to make this thing a full time gig is your financial growth, right? And that's about building a real business. That was her call out there. And then lastly, the measure like area that she wanted to measure growth on uh, was your personal growth, right? Like this is about you ultimately. And that kind of goes back to what Miguel was talking about when he, um, you know, said, I, I, I looked at this question as a more of a life question. I failed on that one. Uh, but what, what are things, <laughs> what's, what personal growth, uh, are you looking, looking for? And I really like the way that she had organized this because it kind of said as a core creator, who's attempting to do this, uh, for a full-time gig, step away from, you know, your full thing and move, move your side hustle. You kind of have to narrow down what those areas of growth are in order for you to make your thing a full-time thing. If that's what you're attempting to do. Right. Um, and maybe, and even if you're not right, you always want to measure against, um, so those four core areas, um, and those were the ones that were important for her, but I'm curious, uh, in the chat, if you have any areas as far as growth goes that are the most important to you or Miguel, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I thought it was an important distinction that, uh, in the article, she said that there are at least four. So that insinuates that, you know, it's not just these four things. It's just, these are just like maybe the the four pillars, but there might be more specific ones. And it also depends on the person or the kind of thing you're trying to build or what your goals are. But it's funny, the vertical one is actually something we've talked about here before, which is about your true fans. Because remember we talked about if you have if you have a thousand true fans and they each buy a hundred dollars worth of your stuff every year, that's a hundred K a year, right? Yeah. So we talked about that vertical growth. Today, we're talking a little bit more about the personal growth, but the other two are ones that I uh, we haven't hit on quite as much, which is horizontal, which means this is about a wider, you know, making having a wider audience. So creating content that, that makes more people aware of you. So this could be something that's probably like something going viral, for example. You, you know, it, it, you, you get in front of a lot of people. A lot of these, I feel like, sort of chain react into the other ones, right? So... If something goes viral um, and you capitalize on that financially, 
you're doing the financial thing. Maybe that's something that personally you wanted to do, which is, you know, financially grow from your side project. Um, you might gain more true fans from that. And then the financial piece is, we've talked about a little bit about how making something bigger might be more important at first than making something make you money. Because a lot, oftentimes a, we, a strategy that most people use is you offer something free and then you figure out how to monetize it later after you've kind of figured out the kinks and gotten your core audience before you ask something of your audience. I like the way that she organized it as far as like, we, you know, the true fans are really important. You know, that growing your audience is really important, which is that horizontal growth. You know, that making money is incredibly important financial. And then, you know, that you can't be a creator if you're not growing personally, right. Or at least you, you can, but it, you know, that's a, a goal that everybody kind of wants to implement across the board, whether it's, you know, as a creator or not, but I like the way she did this because it gives you like a really um, specific, like really specific things that you can measure that really do, you know, they apply to your, your overall growth. Right. So when you think about getting true fans, you know, you don't want to be, you're constantly losing fans. Like we talk about this internally all the time with like net negative churn internally, which is basically, we want to make sure that our audience, like our, our um, customers are growing faster than we're losing customers. Right. So there's net negative churn. So we always have a you know positive number of creators that are joining ConvertKit. And I think that that's something that is, is really important. Once you get to that thousand true fans, you don't just maintain those thousand true fans. Like over time, people are going to drop off. And so to continue like that vertical growth is really important for you as a creator because people are going to end up spending less money with you over time. Horizontal, I think is really important because, you know, as far as like top of the funnel goes, like you always have to consistently create more content, but ultimately what's really important is that you're, you're reaching out for like new people that can come fit into that top of the funnel and eventually, you know, get into that bottom funnel and become a true fan. And then financial, I keep thinking about Matt Raglan, you know, and the conversation that we had with him. And one of the distinctions that he had before he decided to leave his full-time job and transition into a full-time solopreneur entrepreneur was that he had to be making the same amount that his salary was bringing in. Was that it? Uh, it was close to that or something very similar? I believe so. Yeah. Or at least a percentage of it or something like that. Yeah, it was very similar to that. I can't remember exactly, but he had this very specific goal on the financial side that, you know, that he was measuring against. And so every month, every quarter, you know, he could measure against that goal. And then personal growth, this could be something as specific, you know, I, I'd really encourage for anyone that has not watched that James Clear um, uh, Craft and Commerce talk, and, and I'm sure he's talked about it elsewhere, but just like the idea of getting 1% one, 1 better over time, like it's basically the, the aggregation, 1%, which is aggregation of marginal gains, like allows you to, you know, really get better. But I really like applying that to personal growth because it just gives you, you know, you're like, I'm just trying to um, implement these specific habits into my life. And um, it, I think it helps, helps measure success a lot, but yeah, that personal growth, I think is really important as a creator. Creators tend to be a little bit more sensitive, uh, and, and they're aware of that type of stuff. So I really appreciate that, that, that she called that out specifically, but I think the like actual advice that I would offer here is that you have to figure out what are the four areas or five areas. As, as Miguel said, there's at least four, right? What are the five or six areas of things that you want to track growth against? And then highlight those and then look at those on a consistent, whether it's quarterly, monthly, quarterly, annual, annual, biannual, whatever uh, basis, fortnightly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what my, 
My favorite part about this is that it uh, defines growth in four very different ways. So when you look at you, if you have, if you're in the habit of checking how many email addresses or subscribers or visits or clicks or whatever the number that you always look at to see if things are getting better or worse, if that's your only metric for things are going good or things are going bad, it can get really demoralizing very easily. And if my list isn't growing and I internalize that as I'm not growing or I'm not doing well, then I feel like that's a very dangerous, slippery slope. But if my list isn't growing, but I'm learning a lot, so personally I'm growing, and technically that's moving the ball forward according to this, because my personal growth and what I'm learning and what I'm reflecting on and what I'm iterating on is changing, that is a benefit and a gain for me. It may not be the financial gain. It may not be the people clicking on stuff or or, or people signing up for my newsletter gain, but as long as I'm learning, the ball is moving forward and that stuff that I'm learning can help affect the other things. So just remember to check yourself on that. Yeah. And not not just be like, like right now, I could look at our YouTube audience right now and the, the number of fluctuates of the people who are watching now, but we can look at it and say, oh man, you know, something I said must have not clicked because we lost two people dropped off, you know? It's like, that's not the point. Like the point is to have this conversation and there are several mediums and uh, we don't measure our growth on this podcast by how many people are here live. Sure, we want that number to be as high as possible, but it's not a defeat if there's less this week than there were last week or vice versa, so. Yeah, agreed with that. I think that um, what I hear you saying is actually that you can weight these like different areas, right? Um, And you can do that intentionally and you can say like this quarter, I'm going to weight personal. I'm still going to track everything else, but I'm going to weight personal growth significantly more than I weight anything else. And that's based off seasons of life and right, like needs of the business, needs of you, you know, needs of your side project. Uh, And I think that that is a really important distinction because um, it can be really debilitating if you look at certain things, you know, like kind of Noah called out, you know, he's, he's a personal growth kind of guy, but it's the financial financial side of things has been a little bit harder. Right. But you still, to your point, Miguel, like you're growing significantly on, you can't weight your, your personal growth as being less important than financial growth, because I think it all applies, uh, over time, uh, and it'll catch up to you over time. I love that you brought this up. I mean, it's in, you know, it's, it's one of those things that kind of goes under the radar because it's so easy to, not focus on self-reflection and just focus focus on things going forward. Like, don't look back, only look forward. But I think there's a lot of value in taking an inventory and assessing what we've done over the last X amount of months, days, whatever. Yeah. In the creator economy, one of the things that we see more than anything uh, in my opinion, at least if I look at our customer base or, you know, is we see a lot of coaches, we see a lot of personal growth coaches, right? So I think that creators in general, like tend to lean it, like really tend to lean into getting better on a personal life. If you look at a personal level, if you look at like Alexis Teichmiller, you know, who we've mentioned, she's been on this podcast several times. Um, who, and she used to work at ConvertKit, but she left and she is a life coach. Like that's what she's doing now. Right. And she's teaching people to be essentially more vulnerable, which I think is a really important thing. And, uh, you see a lot of people leaning into, I tried to get Miguel to talk about the Enneagram friends, but he wasn't ready yet. He's going to take the test and we're going to see what Miguel is on the Enneagram. Uh, but you know, (laughs) 
the Enneagram is like this really, you know, massive uh, thing in the, in the creator economy. Well, it's, it's really big everywhere, but I feel like people really lean into wanting to understand themselves better. But the fact is, is that you can't be a full-time creator if you don't measure these other areas of like kind of the business side of things. Right. And you can go down lots of data driven holes on this, but I really like the way that she just highlighted this in four core areas. And then it gave you an opportunity to reflect on it. So I think, um, as far as advice goes, um, from me specifically, it's just figure out a cadence. What does that cadence look like for you? And what are the areas that are most important to you to measure against over time to where you can look back and reflect on those. And I think that it's going to look different for every person, but I also think that finding uh, like-minded or similar people that are in a similar um, like business model that you have a similar niche that you have, I think that finding people that you can align with to understand what their growth looks like uh, and learn from other people as much as possible. It's why I've always loved when people post their financials. Charlie talked about this very recently, right? Because she's measuring growth and kind of like within that you're looking at the financial, like the line items, but you're also seeing all these other things um, like number of partnerships or, you know, a number of emails sent, like there's all these other things that attribute to her financial growth on that. And so I think, um, you know, looking at resources like that is really helpful as well. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, hundo P. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, you know, friends, I think that's it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all for, uh, coming here and, uh, Noah for chiming in on some of that stuff. And it's good to see Teddy and just wanted to make, get a few call outs there. And Ryan is here too. It's so good to see everybody. Yeah. I saw that Teddy was back. I listened to uh, the podcast last week where I was out, um, with, uh, Daniel, uh, and I I heard Miguel in the beginning. He's like, Oh, Teddy's back. Teddy made it. (laughs) Yeah. Teddy. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. We got him back. Good. He had to kind of show his loyalty after we we had him on the show. So yeah, we just had to shame him a little bit, I guess. Yeah, we'll we'll have a uh, Charlie back on the show next week. I actually won't be here next week. I am um, going to be in Nashville all week. Uh, I leave on Sunday, and I will be getting back on Friday. And we are filming seven creator sessions in Nashville, Whoa. so it is going to be a very busy week and there are so many logistics, so many details, Miguel. Can you tell us maybe like one person that you're, you know, that you're really excited about? Maybe like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I'll, I'll share, I'll share one or two. I'm really excited. Okay. We, if you're familiar with, um, Judah and the lion, the band, we are filming, um, sweet. Yeah. Judah, but we're just doing Judah acres. Who's the lead singer. And I'm super excited about uh, this because he actually does multiple projects, right? So he's not just the lead singer of Judah and the Lion. He's Judah and uh, he has several other projects that he does. Uh, And so I think it's the conversation that I, or things I really want to understand is like, how do you, how do you transition from, from being the lead singer of a very well-known band, very successful band into this other total side project where you have to like almost embody something a little bit different. And so it's like, he has three very different creator personas. One is like the support, one is the lead. And then one is kind of a lead on a very different type of project. Um, so I'm really excited to learn, learn more about that. We also, are shooting, um, a new, maybe you call him Americana. He's not quite country, but he is, uh, he comes from, he's got Royal blood. Uh, his grandfather was Hank. It was Hank Williams. His, his father's Hank Williams, Jr. His name's Sam Williams. 
And he's a really cool uh, artist. He just signed to Universal and I know he has a big career ahead of him. So I'm really excited about, about that session as well. Super cool. Yeah. You should, you should listen to both of those guys if you haven't before. And who else could I share? Who else should I share? Mm. Well, yeah. No one else. It's all going to be a surprise. Let's leave them wanting a little bit. You know? <laughs> I will say this though. I, yesterday I, I posted this to my personal Instagram, but yesterday I was dragging so hard Miguel in the morning. Like I could not get, I was just tired. I don't know. But I saw the first cut of our film with an artist. His name is Alt Bloom and uh, the first cut of his film. And I'm not kidding you. I can't even talk about it without smiling. It was that good. It was like, it makes me wow. so happy that the guy who mixed it, um, his name is Esteban and he, it was outside. It was performed outside. It was so windy. It was so windy and loud and you can't even hear in, in Los Angeles, like in the Hollywood Hills. And you can't, if, if like a pin dropped, like you couldn't hear it. Like it was, oh my gosh, it was amazing. It was so good. It's so good. And I'm so excited to share it. That's it. Okay. <laughs> I'll just keep, <laughs> I could just keep going on and on about all things creator sessions right now, but, uh, seeing that content back, like totally reinvigorated me for the week. So, all right, friends. All right. Well, till next week, um, I'll be here. Haley won't, but, uh, thanks everybody and, uh, have a great rest of your week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the future belongs to creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.